My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore your profound reverence. I ask you for pardon of my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Garden Angel, intercede for me. We read in the Gospel. So I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Jerusalem Bible uh, says, virtue, unless your virtue exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, which is actually a bad translation because it's clearly righteousness, dikaiosine, which is a very biblical word. St. Joseph was a righteous man. We should hunger and thirst for righteousness. But anyway, we're going to make use of the bad translation to, to pray about virtue, which is a good topic for Lent, because, we, Lord, we want to, to grow in virtue. Actually, the word virtue, arete, is not used often in the New Testament. We get it a few times. For example, in the uh, second letter of St. Peter, we read, For this, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. And in St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, he gives a list of things, and including arete, which in fact, however, is often translated as excellence. And the, the Latin that translates both arete and also dynamis, as virtus. So in the Gospel of Matthew. Sorry, wrong place. Gospel of Mark. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone forth from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? Power, virtus. So, and in the end, the Latin sort of gives everything in that sense. Virtus is, is a power. It's a power of, of our soul. Lord Jesus, a power in your miracles, but it's a, the power of virtue too. And St. Paul talks in, in practice without necessarily using the word. He talks often of virtues. But for example, in his letter to the Galatians, he sees them particularly as fruits of the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Of course, he talks a lot about the theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity, with charity, love, as the greatest. Lord God, in our prayer this morning, we pray that we may grow in virtues, both in sense of excellence, the excellence of our soul, in a humble sense. Sometimes we tend to think of excellence in a, as something a bit proud, don't we? But, no, it's not. It's, excellence is a good thing. It's being the very best, it, the top, the, achieving the peak. We pray, Lord, that we may grow in virtues in the sense of both excellence and power. That they may be real powers of our soul. And surely Lent is a time to, to, to want to grow in virtue. It's part of our conversion. And yet at the same time, virtue as a goal in itself, to be a good man as a goal in itself, is, is very Greek and a little bit pagan. We don't seek virtue in itself. We seek union with you, Lord Jesus, and to imitate your life. Now, our Lord was indeed totally virtuous. So certainly part of the imitation of Christ is, the, is growth in virtue. Living particularly well, and this we see this in our Lord, how our Lord lived particularly well the cardinal virtues, like all of them, fortitude. Jesus' fortitude in the scourging at the temple, in the temple, getting everybody, throwing everybody out of the temple but also his fortitude in his ability to suffer in his passion and death. And then, Lord, we see your prudence in all sorts of ways. For example, how on occasions our Lord retreats. He goes into the desert so as not to antagonize unnecessarily. All our Lord's good answers to those traps set for him, all showing prudence. Then we see our Lord's justice. He, he is fair in his treatment to all. He's gentle to those who need it, and he's tough to those who need tough treatment. He's tough on the scribes and Pharisees, because that's what they need. And then our Lord's temperance. For example, we see him on occasions not eating or resting in order to to serve the crowds. We're accepting hunger. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. His priority is is souls, not his own belly. So Jesus, we see you living so well, so beautifully, the cardinal virtues, but we also see you living every other virtue. We see our Lord's profound humility, indeed his self-humiliation, emptying himself. His meekness, he opened not his mouth. His obedience in all ways, his obedience to the Father and his obedience to human authority. He was subject to them, he obeyed his parents. Obedience usquared mortem, mortem autem crucis, obedient unto death, death on a cross. We see our Lord's poverty, 
The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He was born in poverty. He lived in a poor family. Jesus, we see your excellence, the excellence of your life. We see the, the power of, these, of your character, that these good qualities were powers in your soul, in your character. How do we live the virtues? Justice. Are we fair to all? Do we give everybody the, the treatment they have a right to? And this could be part of our conversion for Len, not making distinctions, struggling not to be unfair. Because sometimes we are unfair. We're very nice to some and we're not nice to others. Indeed, sometimes we're, we're nicer to the people we shouldn't be nice to or who deserve, at least don't deserve so much good treatment. And the people who do deserve the best treatment, we treat them worse. St. Josemaria would talk about how a mother treats her very different children differently. So ju justice is not treating everybody the same. But she gives everybody precisely the the needs, so the attention and the care each one needs. Lord God, help us to, to be more just, to live justice better. Holy Spirit, infuse this virtue ever more in our soul. Everybody deserves respect. Do we respect everybody? And then how's our fortitude? Maybe we're finding our Lenten mortifications quite difficult because we're soft. Great that we've, we're trying and, um, and it's best, definitely a hundred times better to try than not to try. And even if sometimes we fail, well, fair enough, we fail, we just start again. But it could, it could reveal that actually I'm, I'm quite soft, really. That little thing that isn't such, a, isn't such big shakes, I'm you know, really missing it. Of course, we'd be even more soft if we didn't even make a resolution at all and weren't even trying to live anything. We lack fortitude. So let's pray to the Holy Spirit to to give us both a greater share of the infused virtue of fortitude and also of the gift. Because in, in the case of fortitude, God gives us a, a double dose because he knows our weakness. And here's a very good example of where grace can supplement our weakness. It's not just sort of human effort. We're so weak and we need to place ourselves in God's hands for him to, to transform us. St. Paul talks about this in his letter to the Corinthians. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Jesus, your power has to come and rest upon me. On various occasions our Lord describes the Holy Spirit as power. Stay in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. We, when we lack the virtus, the power, 
Let's ask the Holy Spirit to give it to us. So that power can then become in us arate, excellence, excellence of soul, quality of our character. Likewise, temperance can help us to moderate our bodily desires, to keep them in place so we control them and not them us. We can show a lack of temperance in all sorts of ways, in in the excessive use of the phone or the internet, in eating, in our sexual desires. Lust is precisely sexual intemperance, in our tongue or curiosity, even in study. It might seem difficult to believe that, but St. Thomas talked of curiositas, that you want to know too much. And finally, of the cardinal virtues, prudence helps us to have a balance in all we do, choosing the right end and aiming for it in the right way. Do we choose the right ends? Do we go about things in the way we should? We can describe the cardinal virtues using the, the image, the metaphor of a boat. The cardinal virtues help keep the boat going forward. Prudence is like the wheel guiding it. Temperance is like its brake or its anchor holding it back as required. Fortitude is its engine giving it power to go forward and strength to push through the waves or resist the winds. Justice is the boat's structure, limiting it or rather recognising its limits and, and also the, you know, the, the, it recognises the presence, the structure, therefore the rights of other boats too. Justice recognises that I'm not the only boat on the, on the river. And I have to act in sort of respecting those other boats. Therefore, we could say prudence gives balance and poise. Fortitude gives power. Temperance provides a break. Justice gives structure and respects other structures around us. Our father, of course, has a homily on human virtues, where he stresses the relative importance. Again, they are of a relative. What's, what is of absolute importance is union with Jesus Christ. Of course, what happens is union with Jesus Christ leads to growth in virtue, but but still, you know, what matters fundamentally is is union with Christ. And our Father stressed the importance of human virtues precisely to make the point that to be Christian isn't to be less human, but rather it makes us more human. And part of a fully functioning human, function is perhaps not the best word, a fully flourishing human is to live the virtues. Our Father writes or preaches in the homily, there is a certain type of secularist outlook that one comes across 
and also another approach which one might call pietistic, both of which share the view that Christians somehow are not fully and entirely human. According to the former, the demands of the gospel are such as to stifle our human qualities. Living the gospel somehow makes you less human. Whereas for the latter, human nature is so fallen that it threatens and endangers the purity of the faith. The result either way is the same. They both fail to grasp the full significance of Christ's incarnation. They do not see that the word was made flesh, became man, and dwelt among us. We believe, Jesus, that you became man to, to raise up humanity to its full dignity. And part of the fullness of humanity are the virtues. Part of the excellence of humanity are the virtues. Full humanity is virtuous humanity. Degraded humanity is vicious humanity. <coughs> And then he explains, St. Hosea explains, how human virtues open to grace. It is true that in themselves, such personal qualities are not enough, exactly the point where we've been making. For no one is saved without the grace of Christ. But if a man fosters and cultivates the seeds of virtue within him, God will smooth out his path, and such a person will be able to become holy because he has known how to live as a man of good will. How sad it is to see Christians who are full of fervour, but lack basic human virtues like honesty or reliability. Lots of Bible or lots of sacraments and liturgy, and he's talking about them, but they're lazy self-indulgent, don't control their tongues. And in his homily, St. Josemir comments on a whole series of virtues, the cardinal virtues and all those virtues which hinge around them. He gives examples like composure, patience, magnanimity, industriousness, truthfulness, well, how are we doing on those? How's my patience? How's my magnanimity? Am I a big-hearted person? Ready to aim high? Undertake great projects? I'm not petty. And he sees the, the human virtues as foundations for the supernatural ones. When a Christian fights to acquire these virtues, his soul is preparing to receive the grace of the Holy Spirit fruitfully. In this way, his good human qualities are strengthened by the motions of the paraclete in his soul. The third person of the Blessed Trinity, the soul's sweet guest, pours out his gifts, wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and the fear of the Lord. So our struggle to, to acquire these virtues, which of course in itself is inspired by the Holy Spirit, because we can't do anything good without the Holy Spirit. But that very struggle opens us to, to receive the Spirit's gifts.
So part of our Lenten struggle is to, to see what we can do more to achieve our full, full humanity in Christ. Jesus, I want to be fully human in you. You are the perfect human, perfect God, perfect man. You truly, you lived your human nature perfectly. So in our Lord we see the perfection of humanity and therefore the perfection of virtue. So how can we evermore unite our humanity to Christ's? And to achieve evermore our full humanity, at least be moving in that direction. We can all think of things that, that limit our humanity, can't we? Laziness, anxiety, disorder, selfishness, hard-heartedness. All sorts of ways, we, and of course the list would go on. All sorts of ways which somehow limit our humanity. Stop us achieving the, the excellence of humanity which, Lord, which, the God, which God is calling us to. So it could be a good time to consider which virtue, which virtues we lack, and how we could grow in at least one of them, maybe to focus particularly on one. And as we know, we, you know the growth in one area helps growth in all the others. This could be a target even for our particular examination, which always includes, you know, the particular examination includes, uh, as, as amongst its goals, fighting to grow in a specific virtue. The particular examination could be to root out a vice. Already that's a good start. That leads, Rooting out a vice leads to growth in virtue. But more positively, it could, it could aim at seeking a virtue, struggling to acquire a virtue, or it could also aim at seeking to grow in some area of piety. But you know, certainly on occasions it will mean I'm going to struggle to, to, to grow in this virtue. And we know virtues need struggle, the effort to repeat good acts, to make them habits, so they become qualities of our soul. They become second nature to us. So, for example, generosity could begin with us overcoming the resistance of our laziness, of our selfishness. You know, a certain, you know, this generous act doesn't come easily to me. So I have to fight against my selfishness, laziness, whatever it might be. And this has merit. You know, it's a good thing to do that. It's a very good thing to, to fight against selfishness, laziness, in order to do a good act. And it's, you know, it's no problem that one, there is, one encounters a certain resistance as long as one struggles to overcome that resistance. As I said, this has merit. And yet obviously it's only... It's only a part of the, of, the, of the journey. It's not yet full excellence or full virtus, power. We want to get to the stage where generosity is second nature to us. The virtue goes so deep that we hardly notice we are living it. It's our natural reaction. Jesus, as you tell us in the, the Gospel of Matthew... But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, 
And this we can say both to avoid pride, but also to reach the stage where it's like an instinct. You know, it's so natural to us that our, you know, our left hand doesn't know that the right hand's doing it. Just sort of, the left hand does it, or the other way around, the right hand does it instinctively. We probably all know the, the classic example about, about virtues, the classic metaphor of, of learning to play the piano or, or some other musical instrument. To begin with, it involves the laborious work of playing the scales, or at least practicing the piece. But the moment comes when we play the piece easily, off by heart, almost instinctively, and we enjoy it. We don't need to look at the score. And it just flows. Well, then we've acquired the real excellence of, of at least playing that piece. But for this, lots of prayer and union with Christ. Prayer gives us the, the grace to, to struggle. We could say it's the, the air in our lungs to help us to take the steps up the mountain. Virtues grow as fruits. And prayer is the sunlight which helps the virtues grow. <clears throat> we go back to St. Paul's list in his letter to the Galatians. Where again, he's, he's talking about them as fruits. But the fruit of the Spirit, you know, the, the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In other words, these are not just the fruits of our own efforts. They are the fruits of the Spirit. Patience, kindness, self-control. These grow in us through the action of the Holy Spirit in our soul. It could help us to meditate on our Lord's life and see how he lived the virtues, considering specific ones. For example, patience. Now that's a very interesting one because sometimes our Lord seems to lose patience. In the Gospel of Matthew, for example. And Jesus answered, O faithless and perverse generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. So it does seem that there is a legitimate exasperation, which is not impatience. Another example from the Gospel of Mark. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. And he left them, and getting into the boat again, he departed to the other side. Now our Lord sighs deeply and then has to get away. So patience is not a lack of emotion, and it's not not to suffer interiorly. So Jesus, we want to look at your life, and we'll see that virtues are, you know, are much richer than we think, and there's there's no problem. They, they're fully sort of coordinated with living emotions and even being quite an emotional person. Certainly we don't want to be we don't want to be a cold person. We want human warmth. 
What virtues do we see Our Lady practicing? Certainly humility and obedience. Definitely generosity, for example, how she rushes, races to visit her cousin Elizabeth, how she notices the need and tries to, at Cana and tries to solve it and, and, and manages to do so. Certainly, again, her perseverance at Cana, her fortitude in all sorts of ways, at the foot of the cross particularly. And we learn from her, too, that true virtue is joyful. Magnifying the Lord, our hearts expand they are magnified themselves. I give you thanks, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you for help to put them into effect. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.